Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is John, and I will be doing the scripture reading today from Ecclesiastes 5, 8 through 20. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is a gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them, and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's room, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go, and what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God, for he will not remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, Cornerstone, in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's good to be with you once again. The song that you were just listening to a part of is called Confessions, and it is a Christian hip-hop song by Lecrae from his album Gravity, which was released September 4, 2012. Lecrae Devon Moore, known as Lecrae, is an American uh, hip-hop Christian recording artist, songwriter, music executive, and actor. And this song, uh, Confessions, is a critique of the pursuit of wealth and expresses the emptiness and the lack of joy that comes with this pursuit. And this is the truth that's st stated today in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 in our text, uh, verses 8 through 20, that the pursuit of wealth and of money is emptiness. Uh, 
it is empty and we will it, they in them of themselves will never provide any real satisfaction and meaning only in god our creator the creator of heaven and earth can we find meaning and joy in this life not in wealth or money but most of us have probably heard this before this message that money can't buy you happiness or that wealth can't buy you love uh, the preacher in today's text, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, writes to persuade us that the pursuit of wealth and money is vanity. It is hevel, as we've seen in the past. This Hebrew word that means a vapor, a mist, uh, it, something we cannot grasp a hold of, uh, something fleeting without any real substance. And so while we may have heard this uh, statement about money and wealth and even believe it that it's all vanity we can't really find happiness in it but the question for us today is do our lives align with this truth from God's Word our text starts in chapter 5 verse 8 saying if you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness do not be amazed at the matter for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. Now the preacher here starts by telling us that we should not be surprised when we see the oppression of the poor or the violation of justice and righteousness in this oppression of the poor. And many people with wealth uh, and power use it uh, for their own advantages and they take advantages of those who are poor and are helpless or maybe just not as wealthy as they are and this is what the preacher had observed and what we obviously can still observe today in our world a couple of sundays ago our adult class that meets at 10 a.m on sunday mornings i'd encourage all of you or invite all of you to to join that class and we study the scriptures and what they teach about issues in life, um, and if you're in, in, interested in learning more about what the scriptures say, come into that class. It's only an hour, 10 to 11. But this class, a couple weeks ago, we were considering what is the greatest expression of wealth. And Paul Borthwick, uh, who the author of the book that we're going through this study, called The Great Commission, The Great Compassion. Uh, he, in that book, he claims that the wealth of choices is the choices that are available us uh, available to us is the greatest expression of wealth than anything else so simply meaning the number of choices we have reveals how much wealth we have so for example the poorest of the poor have few if any choices if when we think about it like for what to wear the poorest of the poor usually only have one outfit. And so they, they don't have to ask. They just wear the same thing every day. Or where to go to college. Uh, the poorest of the poor don't even consider that because a lot of them struggle to even finish elementary school education if they can have that available to them. So they're not even thinking of that choice. And what food for breakfast or lunch or dinner? The poorest of the poor are just trying to survive. They'll eat whatever they can find available to them. Where to live is another choice that we often consider. 
but the poorest of the poor, if they can find any place with shelter from the weather, that will suffice. Economic poverty and the conditions that surround it take away people's choices. And the world's poorest of the poor spend little time wondering, you know, what are my plans for the week, for the month? Uh, No, their goal is to survive today and survive maybe this whole week in their thinking. Our American lifestyle has many choices available to us because we are so wealthy in this country. For example, Starbucks has stated that they have over 87,000 drink combinations. Amazing. How many channels does your cable package provide? And if we want more choices of channels, we pay more money for those choices. Netflix provides thousands of choices to watch. YouTube, on the internet, millions we can uh, skim and through and watch. I use YouTube for everything to learn how to do things. Even if we decide to forsake our comfy lifestyles and move onto the streets with the poorest of the poor in some mega city like uh, Kolkata, India, and even if we contract some sickness like hepatitis and die an early death on these streets in uh, in the city, we still choose to be there to do that. And the person dying next to us in the hospital probably had no choice of the matter. This is important to understand, especially as followers of Jesus who live in wealth in this country, the United States, with the biggest economy in the whole world. Are we joyful and content with God and what He has given us? Or are we driven to attain more wealth and more money and what we think is more security for us and our families? What are, our, what are your goals in life in regards to money and wealth? Well, the preacher states the truth clearly in verse 10 of our text. And then the verses following verse 10 provide reasons to follow this truth that he states. So listen to verses 10 through 12 again. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor will nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. The point here is that the pursuit of money and wealth is vanity. It is hevel. If we love money, we will feel like we never have enough. If we, we will never be satisfied, we always got to try to get more in order to feel secure, but we will never feel secure because we always want more. If we love wealth, we will never have enough wealth. We always will strive for more. We will change jobs, we will change where we live, we will do whatever it takes in order to feel like we can continue to acquire more wealth, more money. Our lives will revolve around what brings us the most wealth. We won't like to be around others who aren't as wealthy as we are. Uh, Years ago, for example, a young adult man 
was meeting with May and I, and he shared with us that he had decided to leave our church. And the main reason was that he was making good money now, very good money, and wanted to do things that required more money, you know, like more expensive activities. Uh, but the problem was uh, the people that he knew and, and was friends with in our congregation were, were not there. They, they couldn't afford to do the things that he wanted to do uh, as many times as he wanted to do it or, or at all. So he had found uh, through the grapevine another church that had people of his profession or at least his income level and they were already doing some of these things or he knew that if he wanted to do they'd probably be able to do it no problem. So he decided to go and join that community. Wealth, you see, had given him more choices of what he was able to do. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This verse reminds me of my dad. I've mentioned this before. He always said, don't ever play the lottery because you're never going to win. It's a waste of money. But then he'd always throw in, but if by chance you ever did win, you wouldn't want to win because all the problems and griefs that come along with that huge amount of sum of money that all of a sudden is plopped in your life, uh, it's going to cause so many problems. You don't want that. So he, he pretty much convinced us uh, in this way. Well, in our text, the preacher provides a few reasons for not falling into the trap of making the pursuit of wealth and money um, our goal in life. And first here we see it's because it is unsatisfactory, right? It will never be satisfied, and therefore it is addictive. Right? Whenever we desire something and it never provides satisfaction, we always want more of it, and so that is an addiction. We will never have enough. Second is that wealth attracts human leeches. We could call them human leeches. Leeches are those creatures that latch onto you and suck your blood, <laughs> right? Uh, the more we have, the more others will be attracted to us because of our wealth, because they want to get some skimmings of that, or at, at least feel the advantages of being with someone who is wealthy. Third is that wealth does not give peace or rest, we see in these verses, but only promotes insomnia because the worries we have about maintaining or increasing the wealth and money we have. Because that is what gives us security. We don't want to lose it. Did you know that the most expensive dwelling in the United States was sold last year in New York City? for $238 million. That's like a quarter of a billion dollars for a place to live. Hedge fund billionaire Ken Griffin bought the Manhattan property at 220 Central Park South. The nearly 24,000 square foot apartment takes up several floors at the top of a skyscraper located at the south end of Central Park. What a great view. The most expensive dwelling in New Jersey is a mansion just eight miles from Manhattan, selling for $32.9 million now. Now, why do I share this? Well, it's because these are the kinds of things that we often will hear tidbits about in our news. Uh, 
Why is it news? Why do we hear about these things at all? Because the news agencies know that people want to hear about these things because people want, are curious about what the rich do because we, in general, want to be rich too. So we kind of fantasize as we listen to what the rich are doing. And, uh, and the news agencies are businesses, right? They, they sell the news. And if we're not interested in their product, then they'll change news stories that we're interested in. And so this is why the population hears about these things. The clothes that we wear, uh, the cars we drive, the house or houses that we own, the vacations we take, the activities that we choose to do, these all demonstrate our wealth. Now the question to ask our, ourselves is what drives us in life? What propels us in life? Is it a pursuit of money and wealth? Or is it the pursuit of following the Lord Jesus, as many of us have professed? And following Him with all that the Lord has given us to do His work on earth. The preacher goes on in chapter 5, in verses 13 and 14, saying, There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. The love of wealth often causes us to hoard this wealth, and then it ends up hurting ourselves. And in this case, we hear even our families. Whenever we view anything in life as ours to hold on for our, and use for our own purposes, then we hurt ourselves because we are living against what is the truth of this reality of what God has established. Everything is the Lord's and to be used as He sees fit for His purposes. And we are just stewards of whatever we have. I'm, I'm just a steward of this body. I'm a steward of my life that He has given me because life is a gift. The time He gives us, the money and the resources He gives us, the talents and our skills, they're all, we're just stewards of what He has given us. That is the truth we see in Scripture. If we pursue money and wealth, then an indication of this in our life, whether we want to admit it or not, but this is a good indication, is that we will give little of what we have away. And this is what Jesus meant when He's taught, saying, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If our heart is with our money and our wealth, we won't want to give it away even if we're not wealthy, <laughs> but we hold on to our money and we don't give it away, then our heart is there. We are pursuing it. We will have excuses of why we can't give it away generously. And this is why the Lord commanded the Israelites uh, back in the Old Testament days, at least 10% of their income was to go to the Lord God and His purposes. The Lord knows that when we give our money to Him and for His work, that then this is a demonstration of our love and trust that He will provide our Lord and God because what we're giving Him is out of what He has given us. Now, may and I have this practice, for example, of giving 10% from my income. Uh, we're a one-income family, basically, and so we take 10% of my income uh, that the 
Cornerstone provides us, and we give it back to Cornerstone. Uh, we're giving it to the work of the Lord. And when we give to missions or give to someone else in need or to another ministry, we add that on top of the 10%. It is a joy to give away what the Lord has given to us because it's for His purposes anyway. And it's actually fun to give in the name of the Lord Jesus. It is. It's, it's a blessing to have things to give away. Are you generous with your money? Do you have the habit of giving to Cornerstone and other ministries or people in need? If you don't have this habit, then why not? Are you pursuing money and wealth? Is that what is holding you back from doing so? You know, the money is the Lord's anyway, and God doesn't need our money. Uh, but He wants us to give it out of our worship of Him and our trust in Him because He will provide for us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 speak to this truth. Listen to what it says there. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. That sounds like Ecclesiastes, right? It's vanity. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The dollar amount of what you and I give to the Lord's work is meaningless to the Lord. It isn't the issue with God. It is the, our heart issue. He wants our hearts. And if our hearts are pursuing wealth and money, we will store it up for ourselves to live comfortable and easy lives without a thought of giving it away for the work of the Lord. When you get a bonus at work, or a red envelope at the Lunar New Year, or a gift for your birthday or Christmas, I challenge you to take 10% of that and give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord's work. Give it to Cornerstone. Give it to another ministry that you know of, or a person that you've, you've learned has a need. Did you know that our church, Cornerstone, also does this practice. Cornerstone puts aside 16% about that of its yearly budget to give away, to the support the mission, the global mission work all over the earth. 16%. That comes to about $100,000 a year that from our tithes and offering, we designate not to use for ourselves, but to give it away to the work of the Lord even though we are busy in doing the work of the Lord here too. When we begin to save for retirement, which if you're working, you should be doing, um, the big question is how much do we need for retirement? Right? If we talk to financial advisors, they will ask the question, how much do you think you need to have the lifestyle that you want to live in retirement? What do we plan to do in retirement? That's basically the question, right? 
Are we planning to retire from the Lord's work? No way. That's not an option in the scriptures. We don't retire from doing the Lord's work. We don't retire from making disciples of Jesus as long as our heart beats. Once it stops beating, then I guess the Lord has retired us, right? We will never stop working and living for the Lord Jesus, uh, even in the life to come. But in the here and now, this side of eternity, as long as our heart beats, we work for the Lord. So when we retire, what will we do? This is the big question to ask ourselves. And then saving for retirement, we should have that in mind. Because we will grow older, we will slow down, but we never retire from making disciples of Jesus. So what are our plans? When will our earthly professions go away or they end? My brother, Mike, he just retired uh, this last Thursday. was his last day after decades of working for Lockheed Martin. I challenge each of us to give our retirement to the Lord's work because that's what he desires. The last part of today's text in verses 18 through 20, joy, a form of the word joy is mentioned four times in three verses. Joy in the Lord and the gifts that he provides us is contrasted with this, the, part, the first part of our text in the pursuit of money and wealth. And that first part of the text ends in verse 17, and it provides a summary of the contrast then with verses 18 through 20. Listen to verse 17. Moreover, all his days, meaning the person who pursues wealth and money, moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation, and sickness, and anger. See, this people who pursue money and wealth as the goal for their life, they will never have enough. They complain that they don't have enough. They get angry that they don't have enough. But the contrast is living in humility before God, seeing everything that we have as His gift to us and from Him. Verses 18 and 19 say, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. And the words you see highlighted are forms of the word joy. And, you know, we heard the same truth in chapter 3 last week. We can experience joy, the joy of the Lord, in, the, in everyday stuff of life when we live in humility before the living God. And this means seeing ourselves simply in light of who God is, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Friend. And it is a gift of God's grace to be able to fully enjoy the things of this world, the things that He has provided for us, the things of this creation. This includes money and wealth, when the, uh, the Lord does provide that for us. And so that would include many of us who live in the United States, because we are wealthy, and definitely from the world's standards. Enjoy our wealth and money in the Lord. And when we 
do this, we will be so joyfully generous and give away our, our money and wealth in the Lord's name. And we will love doing so. It's just as 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 states, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the God loves a cheerful giver. It has been said that if we focus more on the gifts rather than the giver, we are guilty of idolatry. If we accept his gifts but complain about them, we are guilty of ingratitude. If we hoard his gifts and will not share them with others, then we are guilty of indulgence. But if we yield to his will, and use what He gives us for His glory, then we can enjoy life and be satisfied in Him. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You see, the Lord Himself is the source of joy and satisfaction in this life. So I have experienced joy in my life in the unity I experience among the leadership of our church, Cornerstone. So many differences, but yet Jesus Christ unites us. And I tell you, it is so joyful when we experience that unity together. I experience joy in my heart, in the Lord, in the growth as I see uh, of others following Jesus, as I see each of you mature and take steps in obedience to following Jesus, and then I see the joy of Christ in you. That gives and provides joy in my heart too. And I experience joy in building and fixing things, whatever it may be, uh, the projects I do at my house, with the work of my hands. God has given me this gift, this skill this passion, and I enjoy. I find His joy in me when I do those things. I experience joy in leading and pointing others to Jesus, the source of my joy and the joy of the world. I experience joy in the God's gift to me and my wife, May, because of I see her passion in following Jesus and her challenge for me to do the same in my life. It is such a joy. When we live in humility before the living God, our Creator, our hearts resonate with what the psalmist says in Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise Him. Do you have joy in the Lord Jesus? If you don't and desire to, then pray and submit yourself to his lordship ask him to be leader of your life and he will forgive you of your sins from his grace in christ jesus follow the teachings of jesus and in obedience and you will experience joy his joy fill your heart and your life will never be the same again i guarantee it it's my experience but even more importantly it is the promise of God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are awesome and you 
are in, interested in our daily lives, and you desire that your joy, your truth, will overwhelm us, will define us as your children as we place our faith in you, and then and only then will real joy and satisfaction fill our days. No matter what we do, whether we're working or studying or at home with our children raising them or unemployed and looking for work or retired and busy about getting involved in different things, Lord, we just give our lives to you and we desire that your joy will fill us and define us so that others will know we are your disciples, your followers and decide to do so as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Glad to be with you once again, Cornerstone, and we'll see you next week. God bless.